Hello and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast. My name is John. Joining me today in Denver, Colorado is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hello. And joining me um, right next to me right here is Dan from Rockford, Illinois. Hi, Dan. Hi, guys. Dan um, is uh, has, of course, been on the show uh, a few times at least, quite a few times maybe in the past, but it's been a while. So um, welcome back, Dan. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, boy, look at the waveform there. It seems like like really hardcore. Yeah, that's um, good. Am I a little loud? Am I a little hot on the mic? Um, but, you know, all the best podcasts do their tech troubleshooting on air. You know what I mean? You want to do it during the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So that's, Don't that's edit what we're... Don't out, for sure. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. We'll leave this in. Definitely. For the Patreon subscribers, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, it's Sunday afternoon. We're going to do an episode of this podcast, and we're going to talk about The Bad Batch because we actually convinced Ryan to watch it. And Dan actually helped with that. Um, yeah. Our good friend Dave Hackerson helped with that. And, um, you know, Ryan's deep seated, like desire to get back with the batch, I think helped with that too. So we'll talk about the batch and then Ryan, you have a Jar Jar Binks game for small children that, um, only works on PCs from 20 years ago that you want to talk about too, right? Absolutely. (laughs) So that is the layout for the show today. Um, so let's get into talking about the batch. Um, this week's episode was a two, actually two episodes released this week. And um, so it's like the mid-season double episode, um, I don't know, setup. Uh, but these are like some really great meaty episodes and um, they are deserving of like a special presentation, which they received this week on Disney+. Plus. Um, so yeah, they uh, they're really great. They are some... Uh, I guess Star Wars canon, Star Wars overall story, like impacting big, big episodes. Um, So, yeah, we're going to dig in. Ryan, how did it feel to come back to the batch this week, the bad batch? Um, Well, I haven't been gone too long because I watched that uh, that third episode, the solitary, the solitary clone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I watched that um, a week or so ago. Um, That was that was good. That was a good episode. Um, And then I would say for these two episodes, I really, really liked um, the seventh episode. Um, I thought that was um, maybe the best episode of Bad Batch I've seen. Um, And then I mostly liked the one after it. But the the seventh episode was like a, a pretty big highlight for me. Yeah, more importantly, it's like, how do you like getting back to the Senate debates? Mm. Uh, Because, yeah, I know. You know, if I would uh, go back in time 20 years and tell myself that, I'd be like, eh. (laughs) But that's what I'm looking for these days. We we all get old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the seventh episode was called The Clone Conspiracy. um, And the eighth one is called Truth and Consequences. So... Um, let's just, uh, I guess kind of dig into them a little bit. What is it about the seventh episode that you preferred, Ryan? Why did you, why did you like that one more? Um, I think it was just really, um, complex and thematically rich, um, which, you know, like doesn't always happen with this show. Um, and I think 
the just the kind of how um that senator has to sort of navigate the bureaucracy to try to get um right for um clones um is extremely complex and there was like on that uh plus i think the stuff around just the way uh military veterans are treated in you know our society both like you know it, it within our country and um you know other countries as well um where they you know we you know we we love the troops when they're like on the ground and you know fighting but then like after they're back and they've done their job uh we don't always like follow up and give them the support that they need yeah it's kind of funny how the uh the military themes while funny and sad you know can remain the same from 40 plus years ago when the original trilogy was coming out to now and like yeah we get to see a little bit more nuance of it like you're like you're talking about um which i think is good mm-hmm. yeah and you know for you having watched the third episode and then the seventh and eighth episodes those are the ones that really do focus on that and that that sort of like uh, Star Wars equivalent to the Vietnam Memorial Wall is in that third episode and then back again in this one. So, um, yeah, that's that's like these these three episodes are the ones that really kind of, you know, zero in on that that topic a little more so than the ones with like Omega running down the beach, you know, like shooting arrows at crabs and stuff. Um, not that those episodes don't necessarily touch on that stuff because they do, um, you know, to lesser degrees. But um but yeah, that's uh, that was great for sure. So Senator Chuchi was that her name? Chuchi, I think. Senator Chuchi, um, I believe she was a Pantoran as well. Would you guys agree with that assessment? Was she a Pantoran? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. All right. I think Dora she is. So. No, no, not no. Yeah, I, I she, that's why she had the long braids. Well, I did travel to uh, Pandora yesterday. Oh, I know, I know, I um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time with them um, yesterday. Four so. hour crash course. Yeah, my entire day was spent with the Navi yesterday, so that was interesting. But uh, one of the thing, one of the things I enjoyed in the episode there was, um, you know, you already touched on Chuchi quite a little bit, but we got to see Bail Organa back and you know his stuff and bringing up all of the problems with, hey, did the uh, did Camino actually have an accident here and kind of like starting to broach that subject there that they, you know, go into the rest of these episodes for retrieving the material to figure out what actually happened. Bail, Bail Organa was, uh, the use of that character was interesting in these episodes because like he obviously is very involved in what's going on, but it almost seemed a little bit too, like he needed to protect his reputation or his sort of like, he, he couldn't really get super involved. So he, he you know, um, although he, he did, I guess in, in the, in the yeah. eighth episode, right? Yeah. yeah. He did kind of come forward at the end, but it sort of seemed like a little bit like, okay, we need to do something about this, but I can't really publicly be seen doing anything about this yet. You know, um, a la Mon Mothma in Andor yep. to a certain extent, you know what I mean? Were you drawing that parallel as well? Very similar vibes. Yeah. Um, I, definitely noticed that and i think like 
you know, a highlight of the eighth episode for when he actually was the one who came out and was like, hey, new information has come to light. So like that was he had to be like pretty cautious until it was like locked. And it was really interesting how they like um, when the senator was out on like the, the floor speaking, like they cut to like his reaction shots and he was just like remaining like pretty stone faced. Um, and I thought that was like really interesting and intentional, obviously. Um, and then like he actually, you know, makes a statement um, at the end, but he had to like make sure that like he had he had a, you know, a, a solid argument um, before putting himself out there. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of, I think you brought up Rampart there or Rampart. Um, I guess, did you watch all of season one of uh, Bad Batch, Ryan, or no? I did, yeah. Okay, so you were familiar with Rampart, like, as a villain mm-hmm. and, and him as somebody. Um, I, I have found him pretty interesting, pretty pretty evil, pretty kind of like nefarious, you know, watching the show, um, this season. So it was, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed his like involvement in the story arc, but then I also thought it was really interesting that they sacrificed him. Um, you know, essentially at the end of the eighth episode, like took him out of, of play there. Um, I think what they did with that was awesome. Like really well done. You know, I thought it was great. Um, but, I'm somewhat surprised that he's out of the mix now, you know, seemingly. Well, I think definitely he's out of the mix, right? I mean, he's, he's the sacrificial lamb there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it just kind of goes to... Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, no, no. Go, go for it. It kind of goes to, you know, think of what you want about uh, Palpatine with being a Sith and whatever. But no matter what, he's such a cunning politician and he's always two or three steps ahead of like everybody and you know, the whole rampart thing is definitely played out with that as well. I'm, I'm reading Ryan's face right now and I'm sensing that he may have a different <laughs> assessment of um, Palpatine being involved in, in the episode. And in fact, when uh, I asked Ryan earlier, you know what he thought and he said that the seventh episode he liked more than the eighth, my mind having hosted this podcast with Ryan for a number of years now, <laughs> my mind immediately went to, I bet he didn't like Sheev Palpatine showing up in, in, in the eighth episode. Um, well, so uh, would you like you, to speak for yourself, Ryan, or would you like you me to continue read speaking me like for a you? Book. Um, no, uh, <laughs> nope. That was absolutely the case. I think, um, you know, honestly, just at this point, and I've said this, I say this every time it happens because it happens every like six months where, um, you know, a Star Wars story is going and they're like introducing new characters. And then it's like, guess what? It was Sheev all along. And, uh, you know, I think just it just is like a point that I just. I don't think it needs to be reinforced anymore at this point that like Palpatine is evil and smart. Um, And I don't know. It's just, it's a well they keep going back to. And I think sometimes it undermines like interesting new characters like, um, 
like Rampart or I mean, even to like some degree, like Snoke and, um, you know, some of these other characters like in this in this era, um, you know, if if we get to like the end of Andor and then there's like some like wild Palpatine moment, um, I think that is going to like undermine things a little bit for me. Um, I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but like I get yes, like I get yes, he is like the big bad of every era of Star Wars at this point. Um, but like, you know, there's also like a lot of other people, you know, doing things um, within the Empire, which is like this massive, massive force and everything. So we'll, we'll see. I don't know. It's just like, you know, I can, I can understand how you feel that way. I mean, it's just, it does seem to just be, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it says anything new when they do it each time. Um, even though like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's probably him. It Um, just reinforces what we already know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't, I don't feel like I need to see Palpatine like anymore, like ever. Yeah. I, I see what you mean too. I can, I can, I can um, see where you're coming from, but then at the same time, I feel like what I, one of the things I liked about it was that they then cut to the bad batches reaction to it and, you know, them processing it and them being like, look, this has been this long play. And, you know, like even if we try to outsmart them, they, you know, have a way of turning it back against us or whatever. And just, I don't know. I think like, that story does lend itself to hey the the big bad you know what i mean well and, and first off rampart had to be sacrificed i love that i think i know i already brought that up but i think that was really really smart and really well done that you have this guy who thinks he's climbing the corporate ladder so to speak or whatever the institutional ladder and really they're just ready to sacrifice him and in fact i know i know like you you are right. This is a story they tell all the time where Palpatine was actually two steps ahead of everybody else. I know they do that all the time, but he was, right? And so like I I thought that was great. And um I can see where okay, well we're bringing Palpatine back again. Somehow he returns, you know, but like at the same time to me like who better to be the person that, you know, emerges and says, "Wow, wow um empire or you know in the galactic senate or whatever it's called like can you believe how bad this rampart dude is like wow that was really evil of him oh my goodness like who would be better to you know he's satan himself right like that is he's like he is the deceptive evil character so when we have this like story about this deception played on the clones and on the whole galaxy i feel like not making that the emperor would be you know, for the sake of not bringing him back again, but he is the, isn't he the most logical like kind of answer to that question? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the most logical, but like it's, it's again, like why are you writing yourself into, into places where you have to keep telling the same story over and over again? Mm. Like, yeah, I, I think 
there could have been because like um what's uh is it masamada 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 yeah his uh who's who's kind of a himbo in this uh show have you noticed that like his he wasn't looking bad uh for sure no Um, no no (laughs) (laughs) would not uh, kick him out of bed for eating crackers you know what i mean (laughs) um dude love some triscuits uh not with that blue skin uh, yeah he uh like i thought like just having him talking was fine and being like when he was like the the emperor trusts this delegation like i thought that was like a good use of you know the the if you have to like acknowledge that like palpatine is part of this like that's interesting because you know that goes back to you know Sheev in in the prequels who's like man i i love democracy so much like um you know having having his spokesperson be like yeah he no he trusts you all like this is a this is a democracy like this is free speech like i thought that was like more chilling than anything um but yeah i think you know you he could have just uh just done it um i don't know what tarkin's role is at this point um but i think he's like another like bigger like evil within the bureaucracy that you could also like work into stories like this i don't know or i mean yeah i'm curious so when it comes to to the whole Palpatine thing, and you know, maybe some of this has been addressed because I admittedly don't keep up with the books and all of that sort of stuff, but like I could see it being interesting more from like his younger days about if they wanted to bring him back, like go to something different. Like why why did he decide to start being like this, that type of thing? Like I said, I don't know if they if they've covered any of that or not. But would something like that appeal to you, Ryan? Or are you just kind of like, no, I just don't want to. <laughs> let's just get on to the new, the new stuff in general. And bo- uh, both are valid. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he's I asking really... if you want to see. He's asking if you want to see George Lucas's Star Wars Underworld show about the yeah, Osmosis Jones whose heart one? was broken by a woman and then he became evil. Um. Yeah, I don't know if uh, that story would really work. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I like I because I feel like I see. I I feel like I have enough backstory on Palpatine through the prequels, um, like especially um, Phantom Menace. Um, well, I mean, I guess all three, but like to go like that one goes the furthest back. Like, I mean, I'm pretty much okay with like thinking of him as just like, you know, like the way I think of most like politicians <laughs> as like, you know, yeah, like you're, you're probably evil and corrupt in some way. So, um, yeah. Uh, and then like, you obviously took it to a whole nother level. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I think that's enough for me. Um, I don't really need to like know about like some childhood trauma or something he had that like turned him evil or if he's like, a, you know, like the kid from the omen or something and was just born evil 
or you know the sure. Dorians the or you know and then like definitely don't need to learn about like how uh he became <laughs> raised well i guess i'll go back to the drawing board on asking you to get a you know sailor style sheev palpatine tattoo with me at the next celebration i mean it will depend on the design Okay, fair enough. I won't. I won't completely write it off then. So you want when you say sailor style, getting the with the lightning parts like that would be. You mean like, but but Dan, you mean like I'm flexible, Ryan. So like like keep the ideas flowing. American like traditional like classic like style is what you mean. Yeah, because I was trying to envision like Palpatine as a sailor. (laughs) We could do that too if you want. No, yeah, I got you. Um, Hmm. I also thought the action in this episode was really, really great. Like, uh, unless I'm mixing up the episodes, but I guess I am kind of mixing up the episodes because it's episode eight that has like the larger action action sequence, right? Where they're infiltrating Rampart ship. There's barely any in episode seven. Like, there's just like the. Does the whole thing with with the assassin happen in seven? The the assassin does, like where the assassin is chasing Chuchi and that really saves her, right? Yeah, that that one really kind of called back to the whole beginning of of Clone Wars or of uh, Attack, Attack of the, the Clones, Clones, yeah. Film noir yeah. like vibes of early Attack of the Clones, yeah, right? I yeah. liked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought yeah, big, both of like, the episodes were part of it was like I think that was the bulk of the action. Yeah. But I thought like I thought it was all just and I've only watched both of these episodes one time, but um I thought the the framing um, and just the action and the, the shots themselves and the, and the environments, like it was such a great balance to me. Like I thought it was really, really well done because it was dark and it was like kind of like cool and I don't know, gritty is not the right word, but it was like, you know, kind of had this like mysterious vibe to it and this infiltration stealthy sort of thing. But it was also just like really, I thought it was like a really good, like bam whiz, like fun action type sequence too and so i thought they did a really really great job of that i guess i'm kind of mixing it up with like the last hour of avatar which i watched yesterday too which also was like dark and kind of like but also really like the last hour of avatar i'm not going to talk about the avatar movie um but the last hour of avatar it really has like the new avatar movie has the like classic james cameron like really really well put together like final action sequence sort of thing like from terminator 2 or true lies or something i was like oh yeah this is james cameron like doing the James Cameron thing. Um, and it was really well done. Um, I'm not going to say this was like the, the action in, in episode eight of bad batch season two was like on James Cameron level or something, but it was really, really well done. And it was, it was uh, fun action, but also atmospheric and cool at the same time. So I just thought it was like really, really, really good. That's what I thought. One thing I was curious um, if you guys had any ideas about was, you know, when they, I, I forget, I think this must take place in, episode eight because at the end of seven is when the assassin you know bites on the like electric thing and kills himself but then they talk about um trying to find out who he was and they said that they can't like find his number did they did did they specify whether that was like he had some kind of chip and he doesn't have the chip as an identifier or like he's not in a database i was just kind of interested in that because it's like does that go to they're going in and deleting records out of things, or is it as simple of a thing as they took his identifier off his person? 
Yeah, to me, like the the vibe I got was like a a gun with the serial number sanded off, like okay. kind of thing. Where just like that he literally was just like a weapon for like Rampart um in particular. And like it was just something like this person is a weapon that can't be traced back to me. Mm. Kind of, I think I, I feel not like, like a Jocasta new, if it doesn't, if it's not in the archives, it doesn't yeah. exist type thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, even though they really have explained a lot of the creation of the clone army and like the technology behind the clones and all that, like that stuff still trips me up quite a bit. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but and what I liked about um, these episodes, particularly episode seven is like, there's all these things that like are super obvious, but like, they're not the questions you're asking until mm. like something asks those questions. Because when, when the, when they were talking, um, I don't remember who brought this up, but they were like, yeah, the clones have accelerated aging. Like you can't be soldiers for very much longer. Like you are aging out of this, you know, this role because like you just physically can't like very yeah. soon. I can't remember if that was centered or Chuchi or not, but yeah, yeah I think it was right. Chuchi. Right. Yeah. And Cause I was like, wondering about that, that too. Like, like are they still like, is the growth accelerated like for their entire lives? So like when does it take them 30 years to get to be 60 year old clones or did it just accelerate them to like adulthood or something? I don't know. It would seem like it's gotta be continuous, right? I mean, I guess you can, you can probably make it whatever you want it to be, but yeah, maybe. Yeah. How old is Snoke then? Snoke is probably really old because it's actually not really super relevant. Okay. Um, but always relevant. Yeah. He's uh, did somebody say strand cast in one of these episodes or am I imagining that? I feel like somebody said the word strand cast. Um, Kojima. I might be wrong. Kojima. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. Like, I think like the specifics, like I'm sure if you put any of this, like under a microscope, it makes no sense. Like, yeah. But I think, like, you can just, in, like, vague strokes, you can talk about, like, yes, they have accelerated aging, so they can, you know, that started at this point, so they could be ready for this war at this point. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the the 10-year plan for them. Because this war was always going to happen, because it had been planned, you know, meticulously in advance. And then you're like, well, yeah, but now that war is over, so, like, the now what part of it, which, yeah. you know, it's something. Don't I worry. Palpatine's about. got it planned out, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Palpatine's yeah, got a plan. I mean, what are you talking about? Apparently, um, <laughs> you know, it's something that like, I'm still like, um, you know, just, this is the idea. Like I'm obsessed with when we're talking like post sequel trilogy, um, because, you know, there's just so much like, okay, now what? Like after, um you know after the sequel trilogy um it's the same kind of thing here where 
they're like finally talking about this stuff and you know it's like oh yeah i guess like that is like a really good question like it's cool that it's being addressed and you know we we always talk about on the show that like not everything in star wars needs to be explained and like i i do believe that for a lot of things but like this is pretty compelling stuff i'd say especially you know for um people who are fans of the prequels um and it's like yeah like i don't know you probably should address this because like obviously you know the stormtroopers in a new hope aren't about aren't a bunch of like commander cody voice dudes like yeah i like you probably should address this in like some capacity for you know people like us who do care about those like silly details but i think the way that they have been addressing it between you know this and um the the dooku episodes of tales of the jedi like that's actually pretty cool and it's you know those right explanations that to be fair george lucas did promise uh you know back in like 2002 he's like oh yeah we're going to we're going to talk more about this and like kind of never did so it does yeah. feel like a, a promise kept by dave filoni on behalf of george yeah but like you know what i like about it too though is when i watch these episodes i feel like the purpose for them existing or like the primary reason that, that we got these episodes is not necessarily, well, there's this canon question that needs to be, you know, answered for people. I think it's like, it's a really good way to explore what it means to be a clone, you know, what it means for the clones to have been used and abused, you know, and left behind by the empire and all that. And like, it was an organic fit for the yeah. explanation, right? Yeah. Right, because exploring that story provides a good opportunity to explain, you know, why did they go from clone troopers to stormtroopers, you know? But well, especially when they can, you know, obviously tie it in with like the few regular clone troopers that we're familiar with, Cody, Rex, those guys. Yeah. But overall, the Bad Batch, uh, especially I think even more so in season two, but just in general, the Bad Batch is very focused on that question of like, what does it mean to be a clone? What, what now for the clones? And, you know, how do the clones, um, you know, understand themselves in a post clone war world. And, you know, those are the kinds of questions that the show is consistently asking and, and exploring. And so I think answering this question in a show like that is great because as you said, Dan, it's organic, it fits, but also it's not just like, you know, they're, they're answering the question just for the sake of, you know, answering the question. It's got a lot of soul behind it, you know, like there's, there's, there's some real um, depth to the way it's being answered. And, and, uh, and so I think that's great. Yeah. And there's these like pre-existing characters that people already do like have these attachments to, like, I am like every time people go nuts and pop for like, rex or cody i'm always like i love that for you <laughs> like that, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like, yeah. I, those are characters like that are when i think of star wars characters they are not even close to like you know ones that like i think up and have and like you know a stirring feeling in my stomach or heart like when i when i think of them but like people love those characters like 
deeply love those characters and that's great um you know and, well and it's one of the ways that i think that they they're kind of in- encouraging that multi-generational thing because like both of my kids were one of the ones that did that you know what i mean like margo and yeah. dex were both excited for it dexter kind of like the clone wars is his star wars so he's like super pumped about all this stuff and like whenever i have a question about anything that shows up in those chips or whatever like he just knows it off the top of his head and like i do not for sure that's, that's does he know like the different generations of like clone armor and stuff like probably yeah. but like i was asking him like what what is that ship called he's like oh it's a venerator class it's a you know the blah 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 and goes off about it and i'm like okay that's good yeah yeah and i mean i think that's that's really cool and um you know i think using like those characters you know, people's attachment to those characters to kind of like they those characters represent the clones. Cause I mean, I remember when, you know, they showed up in like Rebels and it was like before one of the the episode aired where they showed up and like I hadn't like watched it yet and people on Twitter were like, Oh my god, I'm shook, I'm crying, I'm dead, like over this this cameo i was like oh my god like who who is this like what what is happening here and then like i watched the episode i was like that guy had a name like whoa like um but uh but you know like yeah like everything in star wars has a name to be fair right yeah um and you know like I think like those characters like represent this like very human side of the clones. And so like you can kind of project that onto, you know, the like the Bad Batch um, to a degree um, and like these slip like whichever new kind of clone like comes in and like gets a name and like a little bit of story like people I think are like automatically like endeared to them. Yeah. And so, yeah. So like there is like a, in a, a, like an emotional, you know, part of this for a lot of people too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have students, uh, well, I don't have students multiple, but I have one student um, who Kevin has also had in class who like loves the clones and did a whole presentation about the clones for Kevin's class once and like had made bracelets like the little bracelets you put together with like lots of different little pieces, you know, and like, I don't, what do you call it? Like beads, like the little bead bracelets or whatever. Um, almost like the perler type beads. No, no. Well, I know what you're talking like about. They're like little circles that have letters or yeah, whatever on them. Letters on them. And she had made like bracelets with like Rex and Cody and like all these different, like, but there was like 12 of them, like all these different clones that she made. And I'm like, Whoa. Um, and so, yeah, like people, people, like you said, of, I guess of a certain generation or just people who are particularly like into the Clone Wars show. Um, they love these clones. Um, we should continue this conversation um, as we move towards wrapping it up here. So we have time to talk about Jar Jar and Lucas learning, um, which I'm looking forward to. I'm teasing you a little bit, Ryan, but I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Uh, but there's two things I, I wanted to talk about um, bef- before we wrap up. One, uh, just a minor complaint or, or whatever, like I don't, you know, it's not a big deal, but I thought it was kind of weird 
that they brought Omega to Coruscant and then they were like, Omega, you should in broad daylight walk all around the um, Senate building like and straight up just tell people you're a clone that doesn't look like the rest of the clones. Like that would be a good idea, right? Did anybody else like as you guys were watching the show where you like, wait, really? That's what we're because they had talked about. I don't know. Should we go back to Coruscant? That's the heart of the Empire, you know, and Rex is like, we can be sneaky, you know, and it was like, (laughs) but let's parade Omega around. Like she even talked to Rampart and I was like, okay, all right, well. Yeah, I am interested to like what what's the long term plan for her character, right? Oh, because (laughs) that was that was kind of a head scratcher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, I don't quite know because also it's like this is like this ultra sensitive, like most important mission ever, like. Okay, well, we talked to this little girl for five minutes, so let's put her in charge of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I guess that's like. I don't it's, mean this to be like patronizing. It's, it's cartoon logic or whatever, right? It's like it's a cart. It's cartoon logic. It's because with you know, I think they are, which is weird because like I don't think kids are really watching this show in droves. Um, well, that's why I was really happy to hear that Dan's kids are into it because, like, yeah, yeah, my I don't know too many kids watch. Yeah, it. we're we're watching it before school every week. Nice. Yeah, I mean that's that's cool. I think like just in general, like this isn't like a major, you know, it's you know, no one's no one's skipping their Fortnite sessions to uh, to <laughs> to watch this. Um, you know, the youth uh, they're going to be pumped for no the tie-in no though. When we get a Rex skin ship in in Roblox like um but I think like these this show is like so weird because like episode seven is like this like noir political thriller it's like a John le Carre book like basically and, but like but then like they do like go back to like in episode eight like they do kind of go back to this like trope of having like the kid character be like the you know the audience character where it's like of course like she's the one who's going to like save everything and like you know handle this like important mission like in the same way like there'd be like that whiplash of like super like intense heady stuff in rebels and then it's like oh well ezra's gonna save the day (laughs) like yeah yeah. because he's like the kid character um and that the that is still like kind of weird to me. Which side note, um, I was having a conversation with a student in my film class the other day and she was like, Oh yeah, I don't like star Wars. Like never, never, never got into it. Like I've tried to watch the movies just not for me, you know? Um, and then I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then she was like, but I love rebels. And I was like, Oh really? And she, and she was like, yeah, yeah, I love rebels. And then she was like, I'm so mad. They, they're not continuing it. And I was like, well, you might want to keep an eye on Ahsoka because there's a show coming out called Ahsoka, which she had never heard of and you know, all that stuff. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be basically the next season of rebels. So, um, so that was cool. It was cool to hear that somebody like, even though they're not super into star Wars, they did love rebels. Cause I love rebels too. And, um, and then also to be able to deliver that news, like you might actually get like more rebels here in the future. So that was uh, a nice experience. Hey, last thing I wanted to talk about in this episode, um, I put out a tweet the other day that I was crying in my coffee watching, you know, the last few minutes of, of, of episode eight. It got me emotionally when um, 
Omega realized that Echo was staying behind with Rex. And um, I'm not particularly sad that Echo is not going to be around anymore. And I don't feel like a ton of emotional attachment to the character of Echo. But similar to what you were just talking about, Ryan, it was seeing Omega, the realization. I thought they did a really good job of they didn't tell the audience really that that was happening until Omega was finding out it was happening. So it was like, we were finding out from her perspective through her eyes, through her reaction that this member of her family was not going to be coming with them anymore. And it was like total shock out of the blue um, to her. And I just like that hit me. I I don't know. I I thought it was like really um, pretty moving, you know, and I wasn't like bawling my eyes out or anything, but I I had a, you know, a couple tears there teared up a little bit because I just thought it was very, very moving and very effective. Um, did either of you guys, I mean, it seems like this is kind of the only thing close to a family she's ever really had. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. especially with, uh, do we know what her exact age is? I mean, no. not really Mm-mm. probably preteen, early teens. Somebody might, it's not me, but, uh, <laughs> somebody may know that, but I don't think we know exactly how old, yeah. how old so, Omega is. Yeah. That's, that's a good point, John. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And, and he was like, well, you know, I can't, uh, they need me. I can't just leave them. And she's like, well, we need you too. You know what I mean? Like, and it was, yeah, it was great. I thought it was, I thought it was really great. And then, you know, there was like, I think it was the final shot of her, like with her stuffed animal back on the ship and just like, man, it was, it was very good. It was very good. So, um, I didn't like really understand that scene. Um, and maybe it was just because like, I haven't been watching the show, but like they didn't like, really explain why he needed to stay like what exactly he was going to be doing except this like vague like i gotta i gotta help here like which is fine yeah like i mean you know whatever um but you know yeah it didn't like and didn't didn't they mention something about him not wanting to do this stuff because of uh when he was when he had been a prisoner and like gone through all these things, is there something to it with that? Yeah, that could be. And echo is the one who, and Ryan, I know you haven't watched most of the episodes, but um, echo is the one who's constantly on. Um, oh my God, the main, the main dude, the main batch guy, uh, Hunter Hunter. Yeah. Echo is the one who's constantly on, on Hunter about like, we need to be doing more, right? Like he's the one who's saying like, we need to be, Cause Hunter has been like very much like, I just want to like get us like build up a, 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 the bank account and then go hide out somewhere. And echo has been like, no, like people need us. Like, like this empire is really bad. Like we need to be fighting back. And so I think um, to answer your question, like, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I was like kind of caught up emotionally. I wasn't even really thinking about like why he was staying back. I feel like they did plant some kind of seed earlier in the episode, but um just in terms of the character trajectory this season, that has been his thing where he's like, I need to like, we should be doing more. So I think he just like, okay. there's an opportunity to be useful there for him, you know? So right. it like made sense if you had been like watching all the episodes that he would do that. Yeah. yeah it, I think it didn't seem so out of place. Yeah. Yes. But I do hear what you're saying though about like, but what exactly is he doing? Cause I, I, I'm not sure if it super clearly answered that or not. Yeah. Jaja's 
We can spin and hop. We can twist and pop. I would like to learn more. Um, in Ryan, uh, in like 2000, when little kids wanted to learn more, they could buy software from Lucasfilm Learning. Um, and so you just bought some of that software, right? Can you tell us about that, Ryan? I did. So Lucas Learning was kind of a short-lived but pretty ambitious um, project. Um, and this is something I've been like slowly learning more about. And it's actually like a really fascinating kind of facet of the company um because like in the middle of like like phantom menace like um lucas decided to um you know he had an educational foundation um already like in place um but he decided to like spin off like a software house um to make educational software for um, both retail um, sale, but also to be adopted by schools um, was a big part of it, was to get it into school districts and onto school computers, um, which is, you know, really interesting. And it's kind of hard to find information about this stuff, um, but I've been kind of continuing to do digging and, like their old website is archived on, um, you know, like archive.org and stuff. So there, there's is like some information out there, but it basically the company lasted from ninety eight to two thousand one. But they they made a ton of software. Like there were some of the games like I was familiar with because I remember seeing them around and being like, that's probably not for me, even though I'm buying like every Star Wars thing, but stuff like the Gungan Frontier and Droid Works and stuff. Um, but I was digging into the credits of um, one of these games, the one that I'm going to talk about in a moment, and there's some interesting names. So the person who was running Lucas Learning was someone who was a high up at um, MECC, uh, Mech, which was the, they're the company that did like the educational software that like we played as kids. Like they were responsible for like number munchers and like those kind of games that were like on our yeah. school computers. Um, there's actually a really great episode of Retronauts about them that I need to go back and re-listen to. Um, but, uh, yeah, so okay, this game so I've I've been buying some of these games and I think I'm going to keep buying them because they're really really interesting and they're super cheap because no one wants them. Um so the one that I have here is um Star Wars Early Learning Activity Center. Um it's got a really it's got really nice packaging here. Um mm. and uh, just like classic PC big box packaging. Love this stuff. Um, so this all takes place on Naboo. Um, this one came out in 2000. Um, and it is all like feed and um, the the Gungan city um, underwater one. Uh, Odagunga. Odagunga, yep. Tis yep. a hidden city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's like it's it's a mini game collection um and 
a lot of the mini games. Okay, it's also ages four to six. So this is like kindergarten, first grade, um, which I think, you know, all of us have, you know, some perspective on that. Um, I'm currently a first grade teacher. Um, I've taught kindergarten before. Uh, Both of you have children who were in kindergarten and first grade at some point. I thought you were going to say both of us were in kindergarten and first grade in the 1980s. But yeah, that's true, too. We've also all done that as well. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I didn't pass, but this is the year. Um, So, (laughs) like, I do have, like, you know, as, as a teacher, a lower elementary teacher, like, I do have, like, some perspective of, like, okay, what kind of, like, games are effective for kids? um, And, like, what skills like should they should they be working on um and all so a lot of this is like pattern recognition which is an important skill it is like um one of the kindergarten standards for sure um and it's like a minor standard in first grade um so like yeah, there's a lot of pattern recognition games. Like there's one where your um there's droids that pop up R2 units and you are um you are a you are in charge of a Gungan paint throwing team. Um so they like swing around and throw big balls of paint. Um and so like these R2 units will pass will pop up and they'll be in like a pattern like red, blue, red, blue, blank. What, what color, you know, should you pick? And then you click on the Gungan with the red paint and he throws it. Um, and they do, um, the games get harder, um, but they don't, there's no like penalties. There's no like game overs or anything. Um, they're adaptive. Um, which is, you know, the right way to do um, like edutainment software for um, kids and same thing with like computer testing and stuff. It should be adaptive um, so that you don't, especially with young kids, because you don't want to build up the frustration level too high that because at a certain point they just won't be able to process things anymore. Um, So I think like that part of it is like really good because like the patterns will get tougher um, and it will, you know, be like two things at a time. And um, yeah. And so like, that's, that's good. Um, There's, there's like a, a dance one where you make Jar Jar dance and you put in like a string of like dance moves for him to do, um, which is delightful not very rigorous academically um but um i think the one that i liked the best um that i thought was like actually really good um and it's the one i'm going to uh be i recorded some footage of i'm going to be posting it um sometime this week is there is a uh puppet theater um mode which is like really robust so like you okay anakin gives you the directions kid anakin voiced by jake lloyd um oh, gives wow you the directions. Oh, that's cool uh-huh. yeah 
Um, and I'll talk a little bit about the production values, which are ridiculous in a moment here. But um, Jake Lloyd gives you the directions and is like, hey, Jar Jar is going to put on a puppet show. You need to tell him the story to tell. So basically, it's like Mad Libs, where you get like this um, kind of uh, like sentence frames in like uh, this paragraph that's like a full story. You get the sentence frames and then you need to first you pick the character. Who's it going to be about? Is And so like I picked Darth Maul um, to uh, to tell this story. And then you basically plug in um, different nouns and verbs um, into the sentence frames. And you, and then you like tell this complete story, and then Jar Jar acts it out with puppets. And so I think like that's a really good introduction to story writing for kids. Um, it's it teaches vocabulary. Um, you know, it's it shows um, grammar rules and punctuation. And then, you know, then they get to, like, see it, act it out, and that, like, teaches them, you know, um, enunciation and um, you know, how, how to tell a story um, efficiently mm-hmm. and effectively as well. So I think, like, that game alone is, like, pretty, like, pretty well made. Um, on like an academic level and it's also can be very silly and funny. Um, like the one I picked was like, I told this story about Darth Maul, you know, got a pet, but he, um, which was a Bantha and he's, but he slipped and fell and like fell into the bathtub. And then, and then you have Jar Jar acting this out voiced by Ahmed best. Um, and it's i don't know it's like it's pretty cool um and just like on the topic of production values like the it it looks really good especially for like a 2000 um kind of like budget priced you know p- piece of pc software um like it doesn't have like the uh the system requirements are uh, pretty pretty low. Um, a Pentium class one sixty six megahertz uh, computer computer mod- model, or a um, it also has the Mac version on the CD ROM um, PC or Mac, um, and so a one sixty megahertz power PC is the you know minimum specs. Um, for it so like it's not like for 2000 like those are not super demanding because like you know um pentium chips and cpus in 2000 were getting up to like 800 megahertz and stuff so um this was you know you could use it you can use it in windows 95 um so yeah it it wasn't top of the line stuff but like the it looks really good it sounds good um the uh 
the animations are good. Um, they are that sort of like flash style um, animation. Um, but, you know, things are well drawn. They're appealing. The backgrounds are detailed. Um, and there is like some good, like cartoony animation that I think uh, kids would have loved. And, you know, as a 40 year old man, I'm still delighted by. Nice. Yeah. Um, as you said, like, oh, there's a Mac version for a second. I was like, oh, cool. Maybe I should get it. And then I was like, wait a second. That's like not going to run on a current Mac. Like, and, and right. it, yeah, yeah, no, that's not, that doesn't actually matter. Um, but uh, that's um, cool. O- um, o- Mac OS seven is, uh, yeah. Is the yeah. Model. System seven, I think is probably what it was called, but yes. Um, interesting. So yeah. Um, well, that's cool. That's cool. So, okay. So you have that one. Is that the first one that you've gotten? I know you have the PS2 game, the, the racing game. Yeah. I've done Bombad racing. Um, the next one I have Jar Jar's journey adventure book. Oh, okay. So you have another one that you're waiting to dig into. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, we will, um, definitely tweet out some links to the, uh, standard deaf games footage when you put it up on, on Twitter, Ryan, and um, maybe I can drop a little bit of footage into the video version here if uh, if I post this clip um, on YouTube, so uh, listeners can check that out. But definitely, we'll we'll post it on Twitter. So if you're following us on Twitter, you can see it there. So one more thing. Um, so the I was looking through the credits in the um, the manual for the game. And um, just seeing if I recognized any names. And I did recognize one name, um, the lead dialogue writer on uh, Star Wars Early Learning Activity Center was Hayden Blackman. Is that a name that rings any bells for you? Uh, I wouldn't say it rings bells like I know who you're talking about, but the name is familiar enough that like I've heard the name. But when you tell me, it'll ring a bell. Who is he? Um, He's written um, a bunch of well, some um, EU Star Wars books. Um, And he was also, I think, the lead writer on uh, Force Unleashed. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it didn't super ring a bell for me, but I believe you. Okay, interesting. Yes. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. What I'm saying is I've heard the name, but uh, like I I didn't actually, I can't associate him with those things. Like I didn't remember that, but... um, but cool. Okay. Now you can. So, yeah. Uh, very good. Interesting. Well, I look forward, Ryan, to you continuing to investigate this Lucasfilm learning stuff. And, uh, you know, um, it is really interesting because I know you always say when, I, when I'm when i like, oh, well, I want to see some footage. You're like, I'm sure it's on YouTube or whatever. But I don't know. These, these things, they seem like things that I would barely know exist or not know. I wouldn't know they exist and would never, you know, kind of hear about. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and that's such a that's such a great like, era yeah. too, you know. So it's such a great era of like Star Wars products yeah. and merchandise and weird stuff that like, yeah, um, it, it's fun to to then learn about stuff from that era that you know I don't know about because I feel like I there was so much of it and you do see a lot of it all the time, you know. So it's cool to 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 hear about something that you know otherwise I didn't know existed. Yeah, and I think it's also just like a very cool part of like the George Lucas story. Um, and you know, just his like general, like long running investment in like American education, 
Um, yeah. And that being something that like he has like obviously deeply cared about for a very long time. And, you know, he's, he just was one thing that he tried, um, you know, to, to get to take off. And, you know, I'm very like, I want to keep investigating this and I want to, um, you know, do some, do some more research. And, um, I'm hoping that by, you know, posting these things on my account, I would love to be able to hear from people who either like use these products with their kids or they use these products as kids, as kids um, themselves. Yeah. To know like, Oh, like, yeah, my parents bought me these cause I, you know, I liked the Phantom Menace and, you know, I was, I was five years old. Um, or like, yeah, weird. My school had these like on the computers. Like, um, I, I want to find out more about like, how um you know how these programs were used if they were used if like mm-hmm. you know all this stuff like got made and just no one used them <laughs> like um yeah so i was thinking yeah. when you mentioned the mac thing i was thinking like oh yeah probably they were in schools and and that would be why it would be worth it to push it out for the mac at that time too is that the educational software and you know schools were heavier in macs at that point i don't know if that was still necessarily true I guess I think to a certain degree, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I in the eighties like, and early nineties, I, I think Max were were huge yeah. in yeah. school. All right, Ryan. Well, I think we uh, are going to wrap the episode up here. Um, so thanks very much for listening. Um, as always, if you want to message the show and uh, um, you know reach out to the show, you can email us, blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us, the show, on Twitter at Blockade Run. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at... Ryan V-A-Y-A-M-A-L-A-Y, and also uh, Standard Definition Gaming, uh, D-E-F-S-T-A-N-4-8-0. Yeah, um, I should mention Dan had to to leave, so he um, bounced out of the show uh, a little bit early there. But um, we will uh, be setting up our Discord soon too. It's, it's actually it's created, it's set up. Um, just had to put the fun- finishing touches on it, and then we'll be putting links out there too, so people want to get in touch with us that way or or um, chat that way. We're going to be getting that Discord set up, so um, that should be coming sometime this week. Um, and uh, maybe Dan will be there. Maybe Dan will be popping into the the Discord and uh, we'll so. chat with him there. Discord yeah. is fun. I hope, yes, uh, I hope people come and hang out. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, so all that's on the horizon. Plus, you know, we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner Podcast. Um, but until then, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back soon.
Republic. story. One day, not too long ago, Darth Maul had a pet. Ah, how cute! Darth Maul pranced on Tatooine. He stumbled and landed in a bathtub. Phew, that was gross. The end.